The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro. And as always, we are joined by Andy of the Saints Nation. Uh, we don't have a mega podcast this week because there's really hardly any Saints news to get to at all. But, but Andrew, the Saints did make a little this week. They released Johnny Patrick uh, and they released Dave Thomas. Um, it frees up some cap room. But before we get to sort of the what it does for the cap situation, the Saints, that sort of situation going forward, um, the release of Johnny Patrick and you had a brilliant article during the year that I sort of gave you credit for, but sort of uh, used it as as the basis for one of my columns on WWL. And that is the Saints front office is terrible at drafting defensive players. And releasing Johnny Patrick, who was a third-round pick just a couple of years ago, doesn't help them in that cause to say that they're not good at drafting defense. And, Andrew, I'm going to make the case right now that I don't think this front office, with their track record, I don't think they're even capable of revamping this defense to a 3-4 that's even in the top 25 of the NFL. I mean, you'd certainly be justified in making that argument. I don't see how anyone could disagree with you based on the track record. You know, I mean, if you if you look at in the Sean Payton era, the best defensive players the Saints have picked up, um, you would say Vilma, you know, who gave the Saints a good two or three years. Um, and that was, you know, a guy that picked up by trade. And Sharper, who had one phenomenal season. I mean, one season that was arguably one of the best singular seasons in Saints defensive history, um, you know, along with maybe some great years with Ricky Jackson and, you know, that one year by Pat Swilling and, you know, maybe Sammy Knight. But, um yeah, I mean, those are two vets, you know, two guys that they picked up that already knew the league and they were known entities, you know, and you knew that if they were healthy, and both of those guys, by the way, Sharper and, and Vilma both came to the Saints with some checkered health concerns. So, you know, that, that, that was the big question mark for both of those guys. But um, besides, you know, when you talk about the unproven players, the guys that the Saints have drafted, um, I really can't think of one guy um, that's really stood out. And, I mean, Akeem Hicks is maybe, maybe the, the one guy that, that changes that a little bit um, and that maybe it goes in a different direction. But, look, I, I mean, I'm pulling it up right here. And if you look at the guys, the defensive players that the Saints have drafted in the Sean Payton era. I mean, this year, so we talked about Hicks and Corey White, two guys. Corey White was a disaster this year. We'll see, we'll see how he does um, the following year. Um, but the previous year, Cam Jordan – um, good sophomore season, um, but uh, still has a ways to go. Martez Wilson has yet to crack the starting lineup, and we're hoping a 3-4 will help that. Johnny Patrick just got cut. Greg Romius cut. Nate Bussey not on the team anymore. Um, so 
Um, that that draft is by and large, I think, you know, we're still hoping Cam Jordan will be good, but otherwise kind of a disaster. Um, 2010, Patrick Robinson was a complete disaster this year, one of the worst corners in the NFL. Um, that was the only defensive player in 10. 09, Jenkins, who has regressed seriously. Uh, Chip Vaughn no longer on the team. Stanley Arnoux no longer on the team. Never, even played, they, yeah. never even played a down for them, I don't think, yeah. either one of those. Exactly. Um, you know, so 2008, Cedric Ellis gave the Saints a decent run, probably not coming back. Tracy Porter gave the Saints a couple decent seasons, not, not back with the team. He, he signed with someone else last year. Demario Presley, not with the team. And the year before that, and so you got two more years of, of Sean Payton drafts. And the year before that, it was um, no defensive players until oh, Usama Young, no longer with the team. David Jones, I don't think, ever made the team. Marvin Mitchell spent a couple years on the practice squad, no longer on the team. Um, and then finally, 2006, you got Roman Harper, who, I mean, he, he's kind of a guy that, you know, say what you will about him, at least he has a good six, seven years of, of starting. Um, so Rob Ninkovich, who is a superstar in the NFL, but unfortunately <laughs> star for someone else. Um, Josh Lay, um, who I'm pretty sure is out of the league and never really played it down for the Saints. So, you know, that, that that's the Shante, and I, I just told you all the picks right there. The shining examples are Tracy Porter because of 2009. Yep. Roman Harper. And Roman Harper. And Seth Ellis. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, you you could say the jury's still out on Malcolm Jenkins and Cam Jordan, but I mean, that's basically no. It. The jury's in, the jury is in on Malcolm Jenkins. He's just a guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, it's 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 going on year five. I mean, you know, eventually you got to make a call. You know, I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the light could still come on. I, yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to completely write him off, but yes, if you're telling me to decide right now is he good or does he suck, I'm telling you he sucks. So. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, so so you look at all those guys, and, and it's it's a huge disappointment. And so you're talking about, like you said, a huge philosophical change defensively. Why should we have any based on what? And, and I don't blame Sean Payton. It's like he's not a defensive guy, you know. So you know he's relying on his scouts. He's relying on his defensive yeah. coordinators. He's relying on other people to tell him, you know, this is what I like, this is what our defense needs, this is the guy who's a good fit. And so um, those are the guys that have failed him. And um, so, yeah, I don't see how, based on previous history, um, you can have any confidence in the Saints putting together um, something that's going to really change that much. Yeah, and the thing is with them is as as much as we are bagging on them with their ability to build the defense, especially through the draft, it's the exact opposite in offense. I mean, there's a good chance that Bushrod's going to get a semi-ridiculous offer from some team in the 7 to $10 million range for four years, and the Saints are going to shrug and go, eh, good luck, and it's their left tackle, and I'm not going to like it, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to be panicked because they've shown an ability to find linemen, replace guys. They replace Goodwin. They replace Carl Mix, if that was via free agency. But they've proven they can find linemen in the draft. And, you know, on offense, they've been able to, to plug in the pieces. I'd feel pretty good about it. On defense, I have no confidence that they know what they're doing. And Yeah. It's really weird. It's like the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I, 
you know, I don't know if it's like you say because Sean Payton doesn't know it and doesn't, you know, I'm sure he emphasizes it, but you know, the scouts they just haven't been good at identifying players. And look, you're not expecting it. We're not expecting them to hit. You know, nobody hits multiple, multiple home runs in the draft, but you'd like them to at least have a guy that you could point to that was a step above. A- there are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Roman Harper. You know, you'd like him to have like a Rob Nikovich where he's not, you know, you said he's he's a really, really good player for the Patriots. But you'd at least like him to have that, where you could say, hey, he's a starter, he's a good, solid player, maybe even a borderline kind of Pro Bowl player. I mean, that's the sad thing, Ralph. I mean, of all those guys I just mentioned, Rob Ninkovich is the most successful one of all those defensive players I just named, and he plays for someone else. (laughs) I mean, that's disheartening. But, But look, I mean, so, you know, we talk about how Johnny Patrick embodies kind of the how this has gone in seven years and you know I mean after a while you know it's not that I'm being a glass half empty type of guy it's just the proof the proof is in the pudding I mean just look at look at the guys they've drafted look how they've done I mean it's it's just it's right in front of you but um I am surprised you know Jeff Duncan I love the rag on that guy and you know how much I can't stand him but um I kind of agreed with him that the 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 timing of releasing Johnny Patrick was kind of suspect. I mean, he only saved about $500,000 um, in cap by cutting him. So um, there was a negligible difference um, in terms of the m- amount of money they saved. Um, and certainly guys like Will Herring, I mean, there's some other guys on the roster, Harper, that they could have cut that would have really, you know, bitten more of a chunk out of the deficit they have. Um, but I don't understand why they didn't at least allow Patrick to, to come into camp, and that was the point that Jeff Duncan made, and I actually kind of agree with it. Why not at least let him battle for a spot in training camp? Um, you know, and the, the fact that they're waving him now, just tell and unless there's something we don't know about, you know, unless he mouthed off or and maybe he was the guy. That's what I was going to uh, say. He's maybe stitches. stitches. I mean, 
You know, I mean, look. Yeah, I mean, actually, actually, now that we talk about that, I, I bet that's what happened. I mean, I bet they found out that Patrick was the guy that leaked that stuff to Larry Holder about Spagnola, mm-hmm. and they decided, you know what, you were right, we fired Spagnola, but guess what, you're out the door too. I mean, stuff in house. I mean, look, Sean Payton, he's great. I love that he's the Saints coach, but he's a tyrant when it comes to dealing with the media and getting inform leaking information out. And uh, he will wield the axe when he can. And Johnny Patrick does not have any skins on the wall, and he's not allowed to do that. You know, a Vilma, a Will Smith, uh, a Roman Harper, a a Malcolm Jenkins, they can. Even then, then, man. Even then, I mean, but but they've got skins. That is is shit that Peyton does not put up with. Yeah, he doesn't. And, and, uh, you know, it makes it makes sense. But look, Johnny Patton, he's he was terrible. I mean, he whether they cut him now, whether they, I guess they could have, I guess they could bring him to camp. You could say, but to me, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he would have made the team. He absolutely would have been cut in training camp. I mean, I, just to me, you're you're better you're better off not even letting him because I don't think to me he didn't show he never showed anything. You know, so there was, there's not even like certain guys. There's not even a glimmer. If if I'd have seen something from him, an interception, a couple of plays here or there, then I could say, yeah, bring him in maybe. But to me, to me, at least Corey White as bad as he was. Now, granted, he was atrocious, so atrocious that he had nowhere to go but up. But before he got injured, Andrew, at least you could say. Maybe kind of. There's a chance he might be a functional nickel guy or a or a special teams contributor. You could kind of make that argument. Johnny Patrick, I didn't have anything. At least Corey White, I could say, hey, he did have that nice interception against Atlanta. You know. Well, I mean, let's be real. Corey White may be in the exact same place that Johnny Patrick is now in, in a year or two. Yeah. So, I mean, let's be serious. That's a very real possibility. It, it 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 is, but I mean, my point is at least. At least Corey White, I can point to something. Granted, it's one thing, it's one play, but it's one more than Johnny Patrick had. Yes, exactly. Uh, um, the Saints look the the, the cap. We've we've talked. You know, they, they're asked Vilma to restructure. They're asked Will Smith to restructure. And we've gone through that, and probably Roman Harper too. Uh, you know, and they they're limited what they can do in the draft. So if they're going to have five or six guys, and they're going to try to have a bunch of starters, you know, they're going to go into free agency probably. Um, and everybody's talking about Ed Reed, and look, if they can sign Ed Reed at a good price, I'm all for it because he's from New Orleans. Darren Sharper was 34; he's 34. We've been through it. But Andrew, at what point does it become? You're bringing in too many old guys, and you're like the Redskins with Daniel Snyder, where you're bringing in the Pro Bowl team from 2004. How many veterans on the defense to bring in is too many? Well, I mean, they were already the second oldest team yeah. in the league, uh, I think, this past year. So when you when you talk about that, and then you know you're talking about adding more aging players, I just think. When, when, the more old guys you have, the more depth you have to have because um, the more injuries that happen, um, you know, I, I, it's just more likely that you're going to lose guys when they're older just because their bodies don't recover as quickly. And so 
Um, I certainly don't think you want to make a team full of fossils, you know, a team full of dinosaurs. I mean, if you get Ed Reed or a guy like Charles Woodson, Charles Woodson, I think that's a great thing. Um, but certainly I don't think you want to make a whole starting lineup full of those guys. You need some young talent. You need to build through the draft. You need to have some hits in the draft. And that's what the Saints have um, struggled so badly at. And, you know, I mean, I'm hoping that Cam Jordan is going to become um, a decent starter for, for the team. And really, I mean, he was the one bright spot last year. I really feel like yeah. defensively he was one of the few guys that I actually could say, honestly, he had a pretty good year and he improved over the previous year. Um, and so based on that, I mean, you know, they need to keep going with that. I mean, they need to keep getting good young players. But, look, they're going to look up the veterans that that, that uh, are tried and true that have performed in the league already and they're impressive. And so, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be nice to have good veterans that have good leadership. And with Vilma and Will Smith, they're kind of on their way out and they're on a major decline, and I'm not convinced they can perform anymore. So if it means cutting them um, you know, and bringing in a guy like Woodson or a guy like Ed Reed, who's at least going to be halfway decent, um, I would certainly prefer that. But I don't, I don't want a roster full of old guys either because I don't think that's the answer. How, I think they need to get younger and more athletic, if anything. Yeah, how, how is the cap hit if they move on from David Hawthorne? Uh, I haven't looked at the exact numbers, but I know that in year two, now most of the contracts they did last year in free agency had very low salaries with very big, the first year with very big jumps the second year. Um, and so, you know, any of that salary money they'll recoup. And so um, they will get a, a lot of cap relief by cutting Bunkley and David Hawthorne. And, you know, obviously they're not going to cut Lawson, but any of those guys they signed last offseason – um, they can pretty much cut all of them and get a lot of cap relief. But um, the way it works is you basically lose the prorated signing bonus amount. And so, you know, let's say you sign a guy to a $20 million uh, signing bonus and it's a four-year deal, um, he's going to be a $5 million cap hit each season that he, you know, his contract runs through through its course. Yeah. So can, can, uh, can Bonkley, do you think he can play the nose by what you've seen? I mean, he did. He played the nose in Denver, and by all accounts, he did okay. And I, I listened to an interview with Scott Shanley recently, and he said that he thought he was strong enough to. I just don't think he needs a wide enough body, um, to be honest with you. And um, so the question becomes, do you get another guy that, that can spell him or another guy that can maybe start over him? Um, but at that point, it's a, that's a pretty expensive backup. So um, I, I think – for now, I think you go into the offseason with him as your nose um, and you try to work the other contracts so you can fit under the cap. But if something else becomes available, um, you know, and, and, you know, something something that's either better or at least promising um, or you can get a guy through the draft at that point, maybe, okay, you think about cutting him and getting some cap space to spend it elsewhere. But for uh, now, I mean, what, who else is he going to start there? You know, right now they've got no one. Yeah, I mean, they, well, I mean, they're to me, they're in a, they're in a, they're in a bind because they don't have draft picks. They're kind of strapped in cap space, and they've got to rebuild. I mean, you know, I, I just don't see them going with Wilson and Gallette at outside linebackers. I, I could see them doing some sort of combination, maybe of. On the inside, I mean, you could have Lofton and Hawthorne and, and Vilma, you know, if they have a role for him. I think 
But I just can't see them. I just can't see Rob Ryan sitting in a meeting going, "Yeah, I'm okay with Gillette and Martez Wilson on the outside." I just. I mean, I I'm not. I'm not convinced Gillette's going to be able to make that switch. I mean, I think Martez Wilson is is fast enough. He can cover a little bit. He can run. Um, you know, so I think he 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 is a prototype three four linebacker, and I, I really think that. Martez Wilson with some seasoning. I mean, the, the big question with him is, can the light come on? You know, and so far it really hasn't. And they've tried to move him around the defensive end, they've, you know, because they have, light hasn't really come on for him. And so, um, but he's the prototype. I mean, physically, athletically. I mean, you know, you hope he's not another Cedric Hodge. You know, Cedric Hodge is another guy that oh, was me- measured off the charts for the Saints, but just never could put it together. And so, hopefully, Martez isn't another one of those guys, but. Um, the thing that's maddening about Martez is, I mean, just the number of penalties on on fourth downs on special teams, running into the kicker, offsides. I mean, just constantly doing that stuff, holding calls on returns. Um, so that's the stuff. You know, that that just tells me he's just not a very smart player. Um, so he may not may not work out. But um, I, I think of, of those two, I mean, I think Tez Wilson is, is a much better fit as a three four outside backer and has a better shot of making it. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing with the and we'll we'll get into the draft as it as it gets closer. But the interesting thing about the draft and is there's sort of a consensus that the difference between the the once you get outside of the top eight to ten, picks ten to thirty, they're all about mm-hmm. the same. So to me, Andrew, if you believe that, if you believe Mike Mayock, where the difference between number ten and number twenty five isn't that much, that it it really beholds the Saints to trade down because you can get if you can get yeah. if you can get if if the value say at number thirty is almost almost the same as number fifteen, you know you could do it and and I mean to me I think that's the way I want them to go because as we said earlier look they're terrible at picking defensive players so if they're terrible they need as many picks as possible to get the winning ticket. Um, yeah, so I'm with you. I mean, look, Ralph. They need. I think it's important to say, Sam, let's not get locked on one yeah. guy. You know, I think a lot of people are reading these mock drafts and they're seeing Deion Jordan and they're like, okay, I, I could, I could, I could get into this. I can buy this. And then they, you know, so many times when the draft comes around, you know, the fan base is locked and loaded on one guy. Um, I think for two reasons. Um, as Saints fans, we shouldn't do that in this draft. Um, and number one is the point Ralph just made, which is a great one, um, that once you get past like five or six, um, it, from eight to, to 35, it really isn't that much of a difference. Um, the talent, it's a little watered down, but it's deep. Um, so there's less top guys in this draft, but, um, you know, the drop-off in talent from like eight to 35 is, like, like Ralph said, about the same. Yeah. So based on that, so that, that's the first point. The second point is the Saints need help everywhere, Ralph. They need a defensive end. They need a nose tackle. They, they need it at outside linebacker. They, they need it at corner. They need it at safety. I mean, literally, they could pick any of those positions. The dude from Texas to safety, great player. Would love to get him. So, honestly, the Saints could pick any of those positions, and I think his fans should be happy because it at least represents an upgrade somewhere. And so, based on that, I don't, I don't think you – need to get caught up too much in, in individual players right now and just really be clamoring defense. Defense, defense, defense. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if 
you know, I, I don't know if he would fall. And look, we've had fun at his expense. But if you're telling me the Saints could get Mingo, who everybody loves, at 15, or I could get the safety from Texas and Manti Teow by trading with Kansas City and getting uh, a pick in the se- you know two picks in the second round and picking number thirty three and forty eight, and I can get those two guys. I'd rather have those two than pretty much any defensive player you would name. Just yeah, you know, I mean outside the top five, yeah, I yeah, agree. outside the top five. And I mean, look, the Saints. I mean, look, anything, anything's possible, but. They don't have the ammo to move up. I don't see, you know, I don't see it. Um, so, um, you know, we'll just have to see how, how things go. But I mean, I just, like you say, they need they need bodies, and and I'm just, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm I say this, but I'm gonna try not to get locked in on um, on one guy. You know, and also, too, I mean, I have a feeling, Andrew, that the quarterbacks are going to fall. And I have a feeling teams like Kansas City and um, who else? What other team would need a Kansas City and maybe Arizona or whoever doesn't get uh, Alex Smith from San Francisco to sort of. Mm-hmm. To fill that team, they can say all they want, but Kansas City, they're not going. With, they're not going with uh, Matt Castle. Um, you know. Well, that's that's the nice thing about not needing a quarterback. Yeah. You know, and every year in the draft, there are teams in the first round that go quarterback in the draft with players higher than their talent worth. I mean, yeah. Every single year, and you know, Blaine Gabbert was drafted way exactly. too high. And, I mean, every every single year, I mean, Achilles Smith. I mean, I could I could go look at every draft from 1980 to today. I mean, I could we could run through this exercise and you could be like, yep, that guy sucked, that guy sucked, yeah. that guy that guy was picked seventh, he was terrible. And so that the one nice thing about not needing a quarterback is you know some teams are going to reach because they're desperate. You don't need it, and so that just means another quality defensive player dropped another rung, another slot yeah. down the order. Um, giving you a greater chance of getting a better player. So, so I mean, um, having an elite quarterback should give you a little solace in the draft. Actually. Well, I think I think it works out really well for the Saints because if Geno Smith and the guy from NC State, uh, Glennon, if they get taken early, like you said, the defensive player. And some fall. people are saying Matt Barkley is going to be taken top fifteen too. Yeah. So either they go top fifteen and that helps the Saints because then. You're like, oh wow, uh, uh, you know, oh wow, look, Alex, you know, depending there, but you could, you know, you could look at a a guy like, oh, a Dion Jordan from Oregon, he's he's there at at 15. Yeah. We didn't see, we didn't we didn't expect that, or even like it's an offensive tackle, you know, it's like, oh, that that tackle that was supposed to be a top five guy, Eric Fisher, he's there at 15. Oh wow, look at that, and Bushrod is gone, and it would drive people crazy maybe but you got your tackle for the next 10 years so it could work out good so the quarterback well, I, mean, I think if you're a Saints fan you've got to root for quarterbacks to go early in the draft I mean it's only going to serve to help the Saints and 
I mean, really what we're rooting for is like, I mean, I think Geno Smith is probably going to go one or two. I mean, that, that, that seems pretty obvious unless a trade happens. Um, so then you really want Glennon to get picked in that top five, and then that puts pressure on a team that's desperate for a quarterback to maybe even trade up to get Barkley, and then all of a sudden all these dominoes fall into place, and, you know, those high-quality defensive players keep dropping. Well, the thing that I was thinking is is, may, is you could have another thing where, you know, uh, you have that quarterback, you know, like in a, in a mock draft that I'm looking at now, you know, you, you don't have a quarterback going early. So maybe if you get to 15-16 and Geno Smith is still there, then you have a team like that needs a quarterback, like a Kansas City, um, that is saying to themselves, you know, we didn't didn't like Geno Smith at one, but at 15, we're willing, Saints, to give you – our second round pick and you know a second and a third or you know what i'm saying and and you get yeah. a, you get a good deal or you have a team with i mean i don't know what other teams have but they have teams that have multiple you know they probably have a team with multiple second round picks depending who it is you know a you know philadelphia chip kelly you never know what he wants to do um but you know, I mean, like, I haven't looked at the draft order, but I know what you're saying, Ralph. And yeah. I mean, if the Saints have to drop from 15, let's say to 23, and and they pick up uh, maybe let's say a second and a fourth on top of that, and, and that means they can draft basically they get three defensive players for the 15th yeah. pick. You know, then I would take that absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right now the Saints were really deep in 2009 when they won the Super Bowl. They they were several players deep at every position. Yeah. And the cupboard's pretty bare right now. I mean, you look along the offensive line, we no longer have the luxury of a Zach Street yeah. um, or, or, or a Jonathan. Well, Jonathan Goodwin was a starter, but he used to be behind uh, uh, Jeff Fain. And yeah. so, you know, we, we don't have the luxury of those guys as backups anymore. We don't have the luxury of of uh, the corners, you know, where Tracy Porter or Patrick Robinson was a, was, was a number three. And, and, you know, and so yeah. um, there, there's just um, – you know, it, it's gotten to the point now where they need to reload with some talent and depth. And, you know, when Shockey left, there was no one behind Jimmy Graham all of a sudden. And now David Thomas is gone. So tight end is a very, very yeah. rare position behind Jimmy Graham. And so um, that's – I mean, the Saints have got to reload with backups and talent. Um, they're really deep at running back. I mean, we've seen receiver really start to get bitten yeah. by lack of depth now. Yeah. And so all these positions, I mean – their, their front line, their starters are still good, um, at least on offense. But, um, I mean, even on offense, too, I really feel like they've got to get better depth. And so this draft, if they can stockpile on picks, um, that's going to be a good thing, and they need to do it. Yeah, and they they, they haven't had – I mean, look, they've, they, they, want, they had a stretch of three years where they won a ton of games and they won a Super Bowl. But they really ha- haven't had a really good – I would say even B plus to A plus grade in a draft since since '06. I mean they des. I mean we, and we really desperately need that this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean look that that draft in '06 is the foundation of what everything was built because they got Reggie Bush, Roman Harper, uh, Bushrod, Colston. 
they traded. They got Fane in a trade. They got Hollis Thomas in a trade, who was a good one-year player. So I mean, that's yeah. They got Stanley and Fujita. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, you know, that was an off. You got, I mean, you got you got six starters on draft day. I mean, that's that's freaking unheard of, almost. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Andrew, if if they came out of this draft and they got two starters and one contributor as a backup or special teams. I mean, that's a win and they just haven't had that. And it's, it's catching up with them slowly, but surely. Um, and the thing is with the NFL and you've mentioned it before is you pay your stars, but you got to draft good and have guys working at the minimum salaries. You know, that's the formula you do. You know, you have five or six guys that make a ton of money, and then you draft guys and you let them play for three or four years, where like Carl Nix did, where he was making nothing. Jimmy Graham, and 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 if you don't do that, then you got to go out and spend in free agency, and it becomes hard to do. Um, I would I would say this is critical, and of course the two number twos they lost for Bounty Gate. Of course, Andrew, that doesn't help them at all either. Um, but I mean, in, in sort of wrapping this up, as you look to free, as you look to free agency, you know, it starts March 9th or March 10th, one of those days. Is there any sort of off season moves that the saints would make before then, as far as cap wise, that you would say, Oh, that means they're going to do something bigger than we thought they were. Is there any any move that we should be on the lookout for that could tell us maybe they're going to be more active than we imagine they might be? Well, I think the obvious thing is we know Vilma Smith and Will Herring. I mean, I think Will Herring's going to be cut just because of, you know, he, that's a hundred, that's 1.5 million they can get off the books right away. I mean, that's an easy fix. And yeah. then obviously Vilma and, and and Will Smith are declining guys with huge contracts. So um, either a restructure or um, just cutting those guys will free up a lot of space. So I'd say those three things are expected. Um, if something happens, I would say to um, these three players, Ben Grubbs, either a restructure or I, – obviously I don't think he's going to be cut, but he's, he's, he's having a nice jump in his second year. So some sort of restructure with him, a restructure of any of the star players, meaning Breeze, Jari Evans, um, any of those guys with huge contracts, or some activity with Roman Harper, either a cut um, or you know, or something with Roman Harper, um, then I think they're trying to free up some space to make a move. I mean, they wouldn't be getting rid of veterans like that. I mean, it, 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 it's conceivable, Ralph, that we enter the offseason, you know, the, the free agency signing period, with Will Smith, Roman Harper, and Vilma no longer on the team. Wow. And while, yes, those guys are declining players and they had terrible seasons, those are still veteran guys who are starters on your defense. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got three holes at starting line of position. And you're not going to replace those three guys with, you know, Raphael Bush, uh, Jonathan Casillas, and um, and Junior Gallette, you know. So they're, they're going to have to go out and get some guys to replace them. And, like you said, they only have so many draft picks. So um, it, it's conceivable they could be out those three guys. And if so, um, expect them maybe not to go out and land your your high ticket free agent. You know, maybe not spend a ton of money on a guy like Anthony Spencer. 
um, but expect them to be active in picking up a lot of mid middle range free agents. What would you what what would you if they did if they did that and 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 you, and, you, and they had it would you would you rather them go for a star or would you rather them go for mid range kind of David Hawthorne type level guys what would you what would you prefer them do I think I'm okay with them picking up a lot of like middle guys like I mean look picking up Hollis Thomas and Fujita and Shanley and that worked really well in 2003. Yeah. So I think it's okay to pick a lot of these mid-range free agents that will give you quality play and um, improve the overall performance of the defense, but you still got to get that one guy. And the reason it worked in 2009 was because they added Darren Sharper. Yeah. Um, the reason it worked in 2006, um, I can't remember. Did they have Vilma yet? I don't know. They didn't trick him that first year. But, um, no, they got you know, Vilma in uh, yeah. 08. Yeah, it's really scratching deep into the depths of my memory. And, you know, anyway, um, I've killed too many brain cells since then. But um, no, so you know, I think the, I think all that all that is okay if they get a difference maker, and I, I think then there's more pressure to not trade down at 15 and take a risk on a high talent at 15 and hope that you hope you hit Yahtzee yeah. if you're going to go that route. Because I still think you've got to get a difference maker. That that's the main thing the Saints are missing. And I maintain that as a quality player that you force the offense as the game plan. For. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it. look, you watch the film and you can break it down much more than me. But to me, the key is they need a guy that when it's third down and it's third and, say, nine, he's a guy where everybody's eyes in the dome go to him and say, it's third and nine, this is where player – X, be it Jones for Georgia or Mingo or whoever, shines and he can make us a big play on defense. And the Saints haven't had that guy in the front seven in forever. You know? Yeah, I agree. So before we get out of here, uh, me and Andrew are going to go uh, off topic, but it's kind of sports related. Uh, me and my wife are currently trying to have a baby. We, we hope to very shortly. And we are in uh, pre-negotiations for the name of the child. But where some couples will like argue over it, my wife views it as a financial transaction, and she literally called it the naming rights for the child, just like a stadium. So we are currently negotiating what the naming rights will cost for if it's a boy or if it's a girl. Uh, so, Andrew, in your estimation, how much is a child's name worth? I think it's worth a lot. I mean, <laughs> and especially if you get a boy, you know, there, there's a certain amount of pride just in having a son and, and you know, just naming him something that feels like your legacy, you know, your, that, that has your stamp of approval. So, you know, I actually have some time to prepare for this because uh, Ralph. <laughs> Off air did uh, did warn me that this was going to happen. So I did float that question to my wife actually, and I asked her, you know, what would it take for you to give up any sort of um, input in, in naming our son, you know, and, and relinquish, um, you know, basically to whatever I choose. And um, her response was that the only way she would even consider it um, is if I would agree to every Saturday and Sunday morning allow her to sleep in for the rest of the child's young life 
and basically that I would have to get up with them every Saturday and Sunday on weekends and allow her to sleep in. Um, and Ralph, I can tell you, um, that, that's a deal breaker. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that would just be painful and horrible. And I, I think, I don't think that I could go through to that level of sacrifice because we're talking about 7 a.m. every Saturday and Sunday for the rest of my life. And, you know, we trade off a little bit and, and, you know, she's really nice and I'm fortunate enough to have a wife that gets up with my son and sometimes let me sleep in sleep in and sometimes we get up together and sometimes I'll let her sleep in a little bit but if it was me doing it all the time it would be it would just be it would be torture. Um well, it's only you know, for like a dozen up, years, right? When they get to be a teenager. Right, exactly. Yeah. Once they get to, well no, even once they get to like six to eight, they kinda the kids I think they kinda let you sleep in a little bit and they kinda go do their own thing and play on their own. So um You're you know, it, it's really like six years or so but um so I don't think I would make that deal with my wife, but I think for you, I think you start the negotiations that may be a lifetime supply of pedicures, something like that. Well, uh, it's you know, we're, right now we're, we're at we're at eight grand for the for the uh, for the boy name, and we're at sixty-eight. We're at, we're arguing over the girl's name. She wants seven grand for the girl. See, because it's got to be a package. So she just wants she wants a lump sum. Yeah, she wants a lump sum of cash. She she, she, she doesn't have any experience with. If I think if she had experience with kids, she'd be like your wife, and you're waking up with a kid till that'd be something she would. She probably will. If I mention that to her after, she'll probably really regret that she uh, she didn't make that sort of deal. But right now, she's just looking for cash. Uh-oh. So you're essentially buying off her. I'm, you're paying for her disinterest. I'm pay, Well, she's interested. The thing is, I want to name the child after. I want to name it the boy after my father, and she hates the name Oliver Joseph. So <laughs> she does. She, she's okay with name. If That's I want a solid to, name. What's that? That's a solid name. That's a, she's okay with naming it Ralph. I don't know. Ralph's a terrible name. She's like, you can name it Ralph Jr. I'm like, why would I want to do that to this poor, poor child? Ralph is like yeah. name from like 1926, um, but it's punishment enough that you have to live with yourself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, but she wants to link them together because I don't care if it's a she. They can we can name it Mudflask McGee if it's a girl. Not that I won't love the child if it's a girl, and part of me hopes that it kind of is because it'll be a little bit. It'll be a miniature her running around that she'll have to deal with, which will be endless and hours of entertainment for me. Um, but it's hard to put an exact dollar sign, I think, Ralph, because obviously everyone makes different money, and and yeah. you know, seven thousand means different things to different people. But I think you need to look at it in terms of percentage of your salary. You know, like kind of how they tell you that twenty percent of your salary should be what you pay on rent or your mortgage, yeah. or, you know, twenty five percent. So I think maybe you look at it like that, a percent of your salary. But uh, but certainly, I think. Um, Twenty-five percent of of every yearly income is is a. I, I would go up to that. I, I think oh, that is a. Uh, you know, and look, I, I think I think you might be getting off cheap and I easy. I think I might be grand. I think I might be. I think I might have to do the. I think I might have to do the deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, because when you think about it this way, you know, let's say the kid lives eight. Let's say he lives conservatively sixty years, right? Yeah. You're basically paying for, you know, roughly. I mean, what does that work out to? That's like a hundred bucks a year. 
Yeah, yeah. So it, I, I mean, that's that's like less than your cable bill, brother. Yeah, I know, I know. So it just seems it it seems like a lot of money. I, I think I think she's I think she's gonna hold out until uh, she's gonna I think she's gonna roll the dice and hope that it's a boy, and then she could just then she just name her price. You know? Yeah. Well, I think I think you should maybe get it out of the way early. I think I think I think I closer and closer. You know, she the the value I think is going to go up, and and you're going to start to feel more pressure be, because of the time. You know, as, as you get closer and closer, yeah. you know she's going to play that against you. And so I think you know you want to try to make a deal and cut a deal as early as possible. It's kind of like Drew Brees. Yeah. You know, Waits to sign his extension until after he's broken Marino's record. And after he's, you know, done all these things and he's in contract year, then, okay, now you've got to pay him more money than Peyton Manning. But if you pay him, you know, maybe if he's got a two-year deal left, you know, you can get it get it out of the way early and maybe get it for a little bit less. And so um, I think it's a similar negotiation to that. Yeah, I think you're right, too, because the, clo- the closer we get to knowing the sex of the child, which is still a far off because we still got to – conceive the thing but uh the closer we get to the, the sex of the child i think you're right the the more likely she is just going to be like i'm going to roll the dice and it's going to be a boy and then i'm going to have you by the short and curlies and i'm just going to extract uh everything from you yeah, in fact you should offer five grand and put it on the table right now and say <laughs> boy or girl i don't care five grand and i get Go, go, Jonathan Vilma. Just dump the money out on the table. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think so. I think I, I think I think you're right. I think I I think I need to get this. Uh, I think I need to get this deal. I think I need to get this deal closed. But see, she's getting smarter. She's demanding more things. She wants like cash, and then she wants like the ability to have another pet. And uh, she's you know she's 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 getting savvy. She's starting to add more she's things. She's already milking it. Yeah, you she gotta- is. Done before it gets any more savvy. She is, and I think she's she's pretty shrewd. She's kind of like uh, like a politician, you know. You, I offer a deal, and she's like, ah, you know, you offered that deal, but that's not good enough. That was yes, that, that deal was that deal was good enough for yesterday, but today is different day. So, but we'll keep the put it, we'll, put, it, put it in ink, put it in put ink, it, draw up a contract. I know we'll keep the people, we'll keep everybody, uh, we'll keep everybody posted on this, but. Uh, Everybody, as always, go to SaintsNation.com, read Andrew's stuff. And, uh, Andrew, it's really slow right now for football, but March 9th is is coming soon, so we'll uh, we'll have free agency to talk about. And uh, I suspect that the Saints will probably get all their cap stuff done. Well, they'll have to get it all done before then. So, you know, it, it is the twentieth. So, I mean, we're going to see we're going to see these big moves. They're going to they're going to be happening in short order. Yeah, they'll unveil themselves, but in true Mickey Loomis fashion, don't be surprised if it's February twenty eighth <laughs> at you know eleven forty seven p.m. minutes before free agency is scheduled to start. So, um, oh, you know, if, if I know Mickey Loomis, I know it's going to last till the very you know till the eleventh hour. One last question that I completely forgot, and then we'll let you get out of here. What are the odds that the Saints reshuffle all their cap stuff and tag Bushrod? I'm I'm going to say one percent chance. I'm 
I, I don't want to say zero because I don't want to be like the weatherman where they say zero yeah. percent chance and it's like you said zero percent. That's a physical impossibility. You're saying there is literally not a, a shred of, of chance that it will rain. And then it goes up to 20 percent and it's like, oh, now you're giving yourself the out? Yeah, no. So I, I don't roll like that. So I'm going to say a one percent chance they put a tag on Bushrod just because while he's a good tackle and they'd like to keep him, there is no way they're committing him to top the aggregate of the top five tackles in the league because the reality is he's not that good. Yeah. All right, well, okay, well, on that note, Andrew, thanks for joining us. For Andrew Juge, I'm Ralph Marlboro. So long. Until next week.